Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to you. This is the day when mothers drag, bring their children to church with them. Father's Day, they're all out at the golf course. So we appreciate Mother's Day when all the moms are here, and we, uh, we appreciate the moms um, just for all that they do in our lives. We are at the end of a series entitled Godcasts, Answering the Questions of 21st Century Christians. I'm glad that is over, uh, this series is over, because that's hard for me to say every week. I have to really concentrate on enunciating each one of those words. You try to say it. Okay, you don't want to. Um, it wasn't a rhetorical question, Philip. I don't know. It's just silence out there. Are there really shapes in clouds? One of the greatest theological questions of all times. If you know what we've been doing over the past four weeks, we have been asking some of the most relevant theological questions of our day. What I did was I went around the staff and, and I asked them, what are some of the questions you get from your different areas of ministry? What are some of the things that people want to know that, that people want to ask God? And the questions were, you know, deep, thoughtful questions like, are there many ways to God? Why is Christianity split into so many different denominations? Are we living in the end times? Why do bad things happen to good people? And then probably the most thought-provoking theological question of all, are there really shapes in clouds? It's written on by St. Augustine, San Juan de la Cruz, St. John of the Cross. Many people wrote it. Not really. Okay. This was my question. I know you're all looking around. I've had many people ask me throughout this series, uh, including family members, what is this all about? And my answer was always, come find out on the last Sunday, and hopefully by then I will know. Are there really shapes in clouds? How many of you have ever stopped to look and see if there were shapes in clouds? How many of you have done so recently? Wow, much more creative side of the room over here. How many of you have done this because you knew this topic was coming up? All right, thank you, sir, for being honest. It's something that, are there really shapes in clouds? I love some of the answers we get on the, in our uh, man-on-the-street interviews there. The first little guy, he either has a great math teacher or very little imagination. <laughs> Triangle, rectangle, square. Then there's that one guy who really sees it as a theological question. I don't know if God is really sending us messages in shapes of clouds. Are there really shapes in clouds? It seems like such a silly question. But for me, it's not. For me, it's something that it runs deep in my theology, something that runs deep into who I am and to who God has created me to be. Let me explain. I'm not your ordinary pastor. I know that's shocking. Most of your chins just drop to the ground. I'm not your ordinary Methodist. I'm not your ordinary pastor. I'm kind of the black sheep of the clergy family. I do things a little differently. I wear jeans to preach. I don't tuck my shirt in all the time. I say things that people wouldn't say down the hall in big church. We do things in here a little differently. But there's a reason for that. See, I think the church has... For all intents and purposes, we have backed ourselves into this dogmatic corner where all we do over the last decade or two, all we have done is 
point at the negative things in the world, is point at the negative parts of society and condemn and criticize and attack. We don't look at the good stuff anymore. We're so worried about being a Christian that we forget to be a Christ follower. We've been having those videos the past four weeks, Christian versus Christ follower. It's a parody on those Mac PC commercials. And you know, the Christian is that guy in the suit. There's nothing wrong with suits. There's some in here right now, but there's, you know, he's the guy in the suit and he has his uh, offertory envelope in his pocket, which he says, so everyone can see it. He has his WWJD bracelet on. He opens up his jacket at one point and has these little bumper stickers. You know, I work for a Jewish carpenter. Thanks for that, Candace. And then on the other side, there's this Christ follower guy who wears jeans. He wears tennis shoes. He has a T-shirt on and a little sweater. And he's like, I don't feel like I need to be anybody different to follow Christ. I feel like I need to be who God created me to be. I think for some reason the church believes that we have to be in this little corner. That this who God this is who God has created the church to be, and this is it. Anything outside of this corner is bad. Do you know how hard it was to start this service at this church? Something outside of the box, something different. Do you know how many complaints we still get nine years later about this service? We have probably 400 active people in our New Heights community that believe in God and that follow Christ and that worship Him and come here on any given Sunday. We're a viable Methodist church. We're one of the bigger Methodist churches, New Heights alone. And yet people still look down at us. You have drums and guitars. Your pastor wears jeans every now and then. Yeah. Because that's who I am. If you see me during the week, normally this time of year, I'd be wearing shorts. And Crocs. Because I'm a Crocker, I can wear them. (laughs) And a t-shirt. Or a shirt like this. Untucked. This is how I come to work. Somebody asked me if it's casual Monday. One day. Well, yes. Tomorrow will be casual Tuesday. And then the next day. Why have, we, why have we become so closed-minded that we have lost what God has done for us? Allowed us to live our lives in a way that we experience joy. Allowed us to live our lives where we can experience life instead of condemning life, we experience life. I'm not saying that people who do things traditionally are closed off to enjoying life, but I think we all are to some degree. I think we all are to some degree. And my wife bought me a shirt at Christmas time that she said I could wear today. And I'm getting kind of hot up here in this other shirt, so I'm just going to... Excuse me real quick. Somebody asked me at 9.30, how come there's an S on moms? (laughs) Well, my mother's pretty good looking too. There you go. And my mother-in-law. I would never wear this shirt in the sanctuary. Never. We might have a heart attack or four. If I had my robe and I went, I love hot moms, just bam, people dropping left and right. How can you do that in the house of God? Well, 
because my wife's hot and I love her. Is that wrong? Just because I believe in Christ, does that mean I can't see my wife as a beautiful woman and tell people about it? Does that mean I can't have a sense of humor and walk around doing things that ordinary people don't see a Christian doing? Some of you, when I, when I turned around, may have thought a little bit less of me. Some of you might have thought more. But see, I, I think, are there really shapes in clouds? I think we've stopped asking ourselves that question. We've stopped allowing ourselves to move into the life that God has created us. See, I think that's what it really is, is, is when you're moving in the life that God has given you, you're experiencing the life that he has made. And that's fun. And that's enjoyment. To look at the creation of God just outside of these windows. To look at the things that he has done and be amazed. God, that is incredible. To see the humor in nature and in the world. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, go look at a picture of the duck-billed platypus. I mean, come on. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, he called me to work for him. That makes me laugh every time I think about it. You know, Moses is sitting up in heaven going, seriously, him? God's like, no, this is going to be funny. Watch this. But I think the church, we kind of close ourselves off and don't allow ourselves to enjoy the life that God has given us. We don't allow ourselves to be free and laugh in church sometimes. We don't allow ourselves to be free and experience new ways of worshiping God. Jesus didn't have an organ in his service. And someday, the drum and the way we do things here may be old-fashioned and traditional, and we move on beyond that. But that's okay. That's okay. If we allow ourselves to move in our relationship with God and grasp onto the things that he's created, the new ways of experiencing him. If there were only one way of experiencing God, then I never would have met him. If the traditional way in which I grew up going to an Episcopal church, I can do the liturgy blindfolded with half the brain time behind my back. It's so ingrained in me. I can go through the service. I can sing the songs. I have sung in choral, uh, choral music before. I've been in a choir, and I actually enjoy that type of singing. But for a personal relationship with Christ, for me personally, if that were the only way, I would never have met God. I would never have gotten a relationship with him. And some people can say the same for this service. If this were the only way, they would turn themselves off to him. They would never be able to meet God. And some people can take it a step further. You know, God is everywhere. God is in everything. So why don't we enjoy it? Why don't we see it? Why don't we open our eyes to it and look to the heavens and go, holy cow, that is a bear. That's cool, God. That's cool that you can do that. That you have so much power that you can just go, or what? I don't know what he does, actually. Poof. It's a bear. And for somebody else, they see a dog. And for somebody else, they see a monkey. And for someone else, Richard Nixon. But you open your eyes to God's creation and allow yourself to experience him in new and powerful ways. You stop worrying about what the rest of the world is doing and you just live your life in Christ. 
Why did we stop doing that? Why did we close our minds to the beauty of God? You know, it's not just the church that does this. It's our own personal lives we do this a lot of times. We get into such a rush. We get into so many different things. You know, kids today, I know this because I watched the Today Show, they have so many things going on that there are programs out there and agencies out there to help moms get organized, to schedule all the different tasks that their kids have throughout the week. That makes me, I can't believe that. All the different things. Well, you've got to go to the music practice, and then you have tutoring, and then you have this sports practice, and then you have a special practice for that particular sport, and then you have this, and then you have that. When does a kid get to go outside, pick up a stick, and run around and, I don't know, fight somebody, slay a dragon? When does a child get to go outside? We had, we had this big island, we called it, in our neighborhood in Lubbock, Texas, and we would go in there and spend hours in there, and we would be everywhere. We'd go to the, the jungles of South America and be fighting animals, and then we'd go back and you know, do different things. We just were there. And I played baseball and golf and football, and I did all those different things, but it didn't seem to run my life. I was able to live my life. I was able to experience the fact that I was just a kid. And you know, we as adults have the same problem. When was the last time you stepped away from the desk, put the cell phone down, and just ran around with a stick? When was the last time you just went outside and went, Yeah! And then walked back in. For no reason. Just to do it. Have you ever picked up a phone and paid yourself at your office? Michael Crocker, would you please come to your office? Michael Crocker, with your own voice. Just to do it. When did we allow ourselves to be so focused and driven on moving forward and advancing in our lives that we forget to live our life? I think it, I think it goes against what God wants for us. In Luke chapter 12, yeah, I'll be eventually getting the scripture. Verse 22. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear, for life consists of far more than food or clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any bird's. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And if worry can't do little things like that, what's the use of worrying over the bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. It's Solomon. And all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. And don't worry about food, what to eat and drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. These things dominate the thoughts of most people, but your father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. I love that last verse. For it gives your father great happiness 
He gets joy when we are happy. He gets joy when we live our life worry-free. He gets joy when we live our life. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to live our life and to experience the life that he's given us. He wants us to experience the world that he's created. Otherwise, why would he have created it so beautifully and wonderfully? Yet how often do we put all the worries aside and live our lives? Jesus says, you little faith. You have little faith. If you had more faith, you'd live more life. We need to rest in the arms of Christ and enjoy the life he's given us. I'm not saying this as a prosperity gospel message. If you just believe strong enough, you'll have everything you want and your life will be good because that's not the truth. Life is tough. There are seasons in your life that they are hard. You heard about mine last week. But if you can't enjoy life in the midst of the darkness, you haven't truly seen the light yet. Even in the darkest of moments, God brings some peace and joy to your life. And he says, put it aside just for a moment and grasp on to my coattail and experience life. The questions, are there many ways to God, the denominations question, the end times, the bad things to good people. All of those are heavy things that need to be thought about from time to time. But we also need to set them aside and to run outside and play. That's what are there really shapes and clouds is all about. For me, yeah, there are. I sat the other day for like five minutes in my car and looked out the window and saw some amazing stuff. You might not have seen it, but I did. Step away from the desk. Put your cell phone down. Step away from your schedules and grasp on to the joy of life that comes in a relationship with Christ. And then the question, are there really shapes and clouds? You will always kind of smirk and go, there are to me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God of creation. You created all things. Some things, personally, I find ugly. Amoebas, things like that. But God, you've created them. And they're amazing in how they live. God, you've created some of the most beautiful things imaginable. Sunsets, mountains, children laughing. We thank you, God, for those things. And ask that you would release us from this world that we might experience the life you've created for us. That we might experience the freedom that comes with knowing you. We thank you and praise you creator of all things. Amen.